Coffee Podcast, episode number 193. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast. I'm your host Jim Harmer and today is one of those very, very rare days where I am doing a show solo. But don't tune out on me just yet. There is a ton of stuff going on in the industry this week. Um, and I'm kind of looking forward to this. It's been a long time since I've done a, a solo show, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm anxious to talk about some of these things. First of all, there is no video today for those of you who usually watch on um, YouTube or on Facebook Live, because yesterday I was playing hide-and-seek with my kids, and I jumped out of a window chasing them, and I did a lip skid on the sidewalk, <laughs> and my whole side of my face and lip and nose is all bloodied, so I look a little Frankenstein today. All right, our first question um, comes from James Summers, um, who is a member of Improved Photography Plus, and uh, basically he's taken a trip to Iceland and he's wondering what kind of ND filters he should take. So a neutral density filter, it's just a dark filter that you put on to allow you a longer um, exposure time. Well, I, well, I usually bring a three-stop and an eight-stop with me, or a ten-stop sometimes. Um, and that really just gives you a lot of variety, you know, three stop if it's just a little bit, you know, you know, 9 a.m., something like that, just a little after sunrise and you still want to shoot a waterfall, something like that. It's good to have that three stop. But, uh, you know, a three stop isn't so useful because you I mean, you can already put on a polarizer and lose one and a half stops. Um, and so I, I don't find myself using that three stop ND filter so often. More of the eight or ten stop I feel like is uh, is a much more useful device uh, because then you can do it um, you know during the middle of the day you can be taking long exposures with the ten stop ND filter. Now his question is specific to Iceland and frankly in Iceland you probably won't use it very often. Uh, Iceland is is famous because it has awesome epic clouds like almost all the time it feels like in Iceland. Um, you know, you might get one or two uh, bright sunny days, but they're not very common even during the summer. And so because the, the sky is so awesome all the time, you usually don't need ND filters uh, for your general shooting in Iceland. But some things that I would bring to Iceland, one is everything waterproof. You are going to get soaked from the rain and intense wind, and uh, those waterfalls are huge in just the spray. So definitely bring, you know, a cover for your camera, everything, because um, you will absolutely get soaked. Now, a few times uh, on Improved Photography Plus and in talking with people at the uh, most recent um, meetup that we did in Glacier National Park, um, and uh, in, in talking with some of the hosts over the last couple weeks, uh, I, I bet five or six times this discussion has come up. So um, YN560 is, uh, as everybody knows, if you've been listening to The Flash, uh, to the podcast for a long time, uh, the young Nuo YN560 is by far our favorite Flash, like all of the hosts of the podcast are, are using that Flash. But Young Nuo also makes other flashes. They make the 600, the 568, a whole bunch of others that are much more advanced flashes that will have ETTL and uh, and high speed sync and and all that whiz bang stuff um, on them. They're usually specific to camera brand, and they're going to be they don't work with all of the Young Nuo triggers. Now, the reason that I said I've had this discussion several times and the reason I wanted to talk about this on the podcast is 
I'll bet five times in the last two weeks somebody has told me, you know, Jim, I didn't go with your recommendation, and instead I wanted to get the YN600 or one of the more advanced ones. They shot it for a while, thought it was cool to have the advanced features, but when it comes right down to it, they wish they would have just got the YN560. Um, if you're buying your, your flash, you know, there is good reason to have, you know, one or two high-speed sync or... Uh, um, uh, yeah, high-speed sync flashes in your in your camera bag, but really, it's very rare that I run into that situation. I mean, once a year, uh, I say, "Ooh, high-speed sync would kind of be nice right here." So uh, I I would just recommend if you're looking at buying a flash kit, stick with the YN560 and the YN560TX controller. You can just go to improvephotography.com, click on the the recommended gear. Go to Flash, and there you have the links to ex the exact stuff that um, that we all recommend. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up because I've had that conversation multiple times in the last week about uh, wishing they would have have bought the 560 instead of the others that are supposedly more advanced. All right, now I am just fresh off a trip to Glacier National Park in Montana. That's really close to the Canadian border. And I met up with 25 um, members of Improved Photography Plus, and it was a really fun week. So I want to tell you some of the photography-centric things that I uh, learned on the trip, some of the challenges we had. Um, you know, the, the first day we met up, we stayed at a KOA campground this time. Uh, we've never done that for one of the trips before, and it had benefits and drawbacks. The obvious benefit was it was a lot less expensive. Um, but one of the drawbacks was we didn't have kind of a place to all come together and congregate. Uh, so I felt like that that uh, that held us back a little bit, but it was really fun to see some some uh, old faces, people that I um, have have seen at a lot of other events. I mean, uh, Jana, who we have now uh, <laughs> nicknamed Huckleberry, um, Kevin Jordan was there, Brent Huntley, John Sharp, uh, Marta, Riley, Sue. I I say I should I shouldn't even go with names because uh, now I've got to name everybody. Uh, but a lot of those um, have have been on. On, uh, and Bart was there, uh, have been on multiple trips, and it was fun to, uh, to see everybody. So there were no clouds all week, and so one of the things I want to talk about in this episode is what to do when you're in this situation like we were. You know, we traveled a long distance, we planned this trip uh, many, many months in advance, and you just don't know. Sometimes you're going to get the awesome clouds, and sometimes you aren't. And so some of the things that uh, we did do to, to get good landscapes, even when there were um, no clouds. Um, first uh, is uh, kind of the obvious one is to minimize the sky. You know, you don't want to pick a composition that, that has, you know, a third of the picture dedicated to blank sky. Um, but one thing that I did find worked for me really well, and you kind of have to have a, have a visual for this one. Um, so, um, let's see, I shared it on improved photography plus already, uh, but you can check my, my, um, photography, Idaho.com is my portfolio website, uh, where I'll put it, I'll post it in the, in the improved photography podcast group on Facebook as well. Um, is to create gradations of color in the sky. You can do this a lot of different ways. One, you could just use a graduated neutral density filter, either the phys physical filter or in Lightroom. And, you know, just so it's dark at the top and then it just has a gradient down to clear. And then, you know, even if it's just blank blue sky, it goes from deeper blue to lighter blue. And it just adds some of that interest into the sky. And sometimes a blue sky really is the best thing you could hope for. Uh, two of my very favorite photos uh, of the trip 
were fall color. It was just these beautiful, vibrant yellow aspen aspen trees, and that's a perfect uh, color to go with yellow. You know, blue and yellow go together very, very well. And so it was kind of nice when I was focusing just on the foliage to have that blue sky as a contrasting color. Uh, so looking for situations where the colors work well with a blue sky um, is, is definitely a win. Um, next is we looked for situations where color was hitting the mountain peaks. So um, in the mountains, you know, you aren't going to have the sunrise come all at once. The, the sunrise will hit the top of one mountain for a couple minutes, and then a few minutes later, that bright, uh, bright sunrise color light is hitting a different peak. Uh, it's just changing constantly for half an hour. And so finding compositions where we could get the sun just, just hitting the tips of the mountains and really adding color to them brought interest and, and color to the top area of the photo where the sky is and made it much more interesting. And then the last technique that we used, of course, uh, was, was sky replacements uh, where we just couldn't pull anything uh, else off. But one thing that I did, and, and I've done this, I have a YouTube video up. Um, you can just search in, in YouTube for uh, Drawing Sunrise in Lightroom and Photoshop. I have a video about how to draw in a sunrise. And I've done that on a number of my photos. And, uh, and I, think, I think it really works when you have that blank sky. So those were some of the things we're facing with, with no clouds all week. But, but we did make some really cool photos by, by using those tips to kind of minimize it. Now, Bart and I went uh, one day up onto the side of a mountain where we could see down into a lake way, way, way below us. Um, and it was a very steep mountainside. You know, you kind of had to crawl almost on all fours uh, up, this, up this mountainside. And as, as we got up, there were these cool dead trees in front of us, just, uh, you know, really weathered-looking dead trees right in the foreground, then the lake, you know, kind of far away in the midground, and then, you know, mountains in the sky. So we didn't have any, any sunset to speak of with no clouds, and so we decided to shoot it at night. And the moon was really bright. So it, it was a tough trip because, you know, when there are not great clouds during the day, then my plan B is always, well, we're just going to sleep through sunrise and sunset, and then we're going to go shoot night photography all night. But the problem was it was a full moon during the trip, and so you can't really see much stars, uh, or many stars, excuse me. That was really awesome grammar. You can't see many stars. And um, so... Uh, so that's something that, that uh, we decided we were going to do is we shot the stars kind of before the moon was rising. And then I shot again as the moon was up more. And then I kind of composited the two photos together. But the, the moon is nice to have in photos. It really adds a, a mood and feeling when you have the moon in a shot. But it also definitely drowns out the stars and so if that's the only thing in the sky it can make it even more boring uh, so something to watch out for but what we did is we set up uh, this composition with the dead trees in the foreground and the lake and the mountains at night with the moon in the sky 
And then I went down to uh, my car and I drove back and forth and back and forth and back and forth like for an hour <laughs> on the radio calling these guys on the side of the mountain. And they were just triggering my camera for me as well as theirs, of course. Uh, and I just drove back and forth and uh, we we're using the lights of my, you know, headlights and taillights on my car uh, to make a cool, you know, wavy line as I drove around this mountain road. And so it ended up being kind of a cool composition. It took a long time to scout it out since we had never seen anybody making a photo like that in that location and kind of invent, invent the composition. But it was really, really fun. Well, I want to talk a little bit about news and gear coming up. Uh, I want to talk about Fuji's new medium format, the GoPro Karma, DJI, some of the stuff from Apple. Uh, been a lot of gear stuff coming up, and so I want to talk about that more in the second half. But before we do that, I want to talk about Audible, who is the sponsor of this podcast. Um, you all know that I am an Audible addict. Uh, I listen to the I have the Audible app on my phone. And I'm just constantly reading books. I listen to as many podcasts as possible. And as soon as the podcasts are gone, I, gone, I immediately jump to uh, to my Audible books. I have over 100 books that I've bought over over the last few years. I just, you know, some people love sitting down to a, to a paper book and doing that. But I, I just get a little bit too fidgety, I guess. And so an audiobook is just perfect for me. And I've, I've got to think it would be for a lot of you guys if you like listening to podcasts as well. The most recent book that I just read is called The Outbo Out The Outpost, An Untold Story of American Valor. Uh, really enjoyed that as well as Horse Soldiers and Skunk Works. I asked on my personal Facebook a couple weeks ago uh, that I know a lot of you guys are subscribed to, um, that you can uh, subscribe to my updates on, on my personal Facebook if you want to see like uh, my, my bloody face this week and stuff. Um, anyway, I asked for some book recommendations. So I'm reading a lot of books that uh, that leaders of the or listeners of the podcast have, have recommended to me in the last few weeks. So if you're interested in checking out Audible, just go to audible.com slash improve. Audible's giving a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash improve today to start your free trial today. Again, show your support for improved photography and get a free 30-day trial at audible.com slash improve. And we thank them for their support of the podcast. All right. In terms of industry news, it has gone crazy over the last couple of weeks. If you're wondering why there has been so much buzz going on in the camera industry, it's because it's Photokina year. Uh, every other year in Germany, there's a big, big trade show called Photokina. And all of the big camera manufacturers uh, like to have announcements uh, going up at, uh, at Photokina. So we've already seen uh, the Canon 5D Mark IV um, and some of the things that happen there. It looks like it's a nice evolutionary upgrade, uh, but nothing, um, nothing world-changing or real innovative. Just kind of a nice upgrade uh, with the 5D Mark IV. And, but some of the more interesting ones are Fuji announced this week a new medium format camera. So if you're not familiar with medium format, medium format is 1.7 times larger than a full frame sensor. So it's almost double the size of a full frame sensor. If you haven't seen one, a, a, a digital full frame camera, um, you know, look for a picture online at least. I mean, it's just huge with the sensor there. When you, when you see that the camera body with no lens on it, the sensor is just huge. Um, and so obviously that has some major advantages um, in shooting medium format. Now, 
traditionally, medium format cameras have, have had a lot of major drawbacks as well. Um, the digital medium format cameras have definitely fought noise, which is really odd considering they have such a huge sensor. And so that's a big question mark for me, not something that I saw addressed in the in the information that was uh, sent out so far, uh, but I want to know what the noise issue uh, issues are going to look like, um, and then also things like mirror slap. But this that's uh, not so much of an issue here uh, because it's uh, mirrorless. This is a mirrorless medium format camera. It's going to come out in early 2017, and there are going to be six lenses um, announced during 2000 or released in 2017 from Fuji. I think it'll come out with three at first. Now the pricing is the one that I thought. So as I, I saw this announcement, I thought, huh, will I switch from my, my Fuji X-Pro2 uh, over to a medium format? And you know, honestly, I think the chances are pretty good that I will. Um, not so much because I feel like I really need this or even that it would be better uh, than my current setup, but I have not shot medium format. And so I really would love to to spend a significant amount of time like really using it as my daily driver. I'm just learning more about the format. I, I like to change around just so I have more interesting things to talk about and, and have more experience. So the pricing is something that I was definitely wondering about here because traditionally medium format cameras, uh, digital medium format cameras are you know thirty and fifty thousand dollars. Um, so Fuji said this one is going to cost, quote, way under $10,000. Now, the question is, how way under are we talking? <laughs> if we mean way under is in 9000 then I'm out. That's way too much money for one camera that I'm probably going to break anyway. If way under means like five, 6000 I don't know. I could see myself taking the plunge just to get some experience and, and trying something new. Um, it's definitely compelling. A lot of people, I think, are interested in trying out medium format, um, but, uh, but, but we'll see how it goes. There's no true wide-angle lens being announced in 2017. They have some lenses that are getting close to the, the wide-angle range, uh, but nothing truly wide-angle, and so that's a major drawback for me. Uh, but, they, but they have enough that are close that I, you know, I could composite together or whatever. It's going to look okay. Uh, and obviously, there's a reverse crop factor when you're talking medium format because it's going to be even wider. So a 16-millimeter lens on a full frame is, is cropped in, um, compared to a medium format. But even so, it's not true wide angle yet. So I, I definitely one that I'm going to follow. I'd be interested to hear you guys' thoughts if uh, anybody's interested in picking one of these up or, or what you thought of the announcement. Uh, I'm curious to see if this becomes a thing. Um, you know, other manufacturers like Pentax have already kind of uh, dabbled their, their toe into this uh, arena. But we'll see if it's something that may take off in the future. GoPro announced the Karma this week, a much, much, much anticipated drone. Uh, the cost is $800 without the GoPro. So if you have a GoPro, this is $800. It folds up really, really small, um, and it comes with a little stabilizer so you could hand hold it, you know, for your just kind of action cam kind of stuff and get really stable video. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed with this announcement. I was hoping GoPro would hit more of the $600 range, which I think would really break open drones to the masses. Uh, once we get to that five, $600 range, I think it 
for a lot of hobbyist photographers, you know, it's like lens or flying lens, right? Like I think a lot of people would be interested in it. And some of the aerial photography coming out is just really beautiful. Um, but I think the price just needs to come down a little bit more before it really hits mainstream just for the average hobbyist photographer. Now that may happen on September 27th this next week. DJI is expected to announce the Mavic as it's being as has been leaked online. And I'm hoping that's going to hit in the more that 5 or you know 599 is the price that I'm hoping for. I feel like if they could somehow get to that price that it would really, really blow open um, aerial photography for a lot of photographers. Right now, the DJI Phantom 4, you know, is more in that thousand, eleven, twelve hundred dollar range, depending on how you get it set up. And I, I think that's just too high for a lot of hobbyist photographers, uh, you know, who are still, you know, building out a kit, want to buy some lenses before they, you know, invest in in a new whiz bang toy, kind of like that. So I'm interested in that. I'm also interested in the Inspire 2. That's their more professional level of drone that has a micro four-thirds camera. Um, I'm hoping that'll be announced next week, and that's something I would definitely be interested in, in checking out. Okay, a couple updates on some improved photography projects that I've been talking to you guys about in a while. been getting a lot of questions on these, and so I just want to kind of make a couple announcements on these. First, the Improved Photography Conference, our retreat in Phoenix, Arizona, is March 8 to 11. And there are only 47 tickets left. Uh, and usually as I see that the tickets are getting down, there aren't many left. They start to go pretty quick. Um, so only 47 tickets left. Um, you, you still have a little bit of time if you're, if you're still thinking, but it, it's going to be about time to, to make a choice if, if, you're, uh, if you're a lurker, if you're interested in coming. If you're in Vegas, this is only a four-hour drive to Phoenix. If you're in L.A., it's a five-hour drive. San Diego, five-hour drive. Fresno, eight hours. Salt Lake, it's kind of long, 10-hour drive. St. George, it's a six-hour drive to Phoenix. Albuquerque is a six-hour drive. El Paso, Texas, six-hour drive. Durango, Colorado, seven hours. So so there are a lot of places. This is like the reason that I ended up choosing um, Phoenix is it's so accessible from a lot of neighboring states and, and many uh, neighboring large cities. So if you live in any of those areas, we'd love to have you. Uh, I think we have people coming from 32 U.S. states and six countries. Uh, so thank you all uh, who are supporting the, the conference and, and uh, improve photography like it's really cool. I, I'm refreshing the page every day to see, uh, you know, who else bought a ticket and I'm plotting a little map of where everybody's from. Um, it's been really exciting for me. Uh, I know I have a big responsibility. Uh, I really want to bring it uh, at this conference and just give everybody an awesome win that week. I want everybody to come home just feeling more confident with their photography, you know, have a big bank of new images, tried many totally new things that you may not have done before, you know, a product photography, car photography, whatever. I'd love to see people just trying some new things. And of course, you know, getting to know the hosts of the podcast, almost all of us are going to be there. Um, and, uh, and spending some time with us shooting and talking and, and also the, the presentations there. So thank you to those who have uh, supported it. Looking forward to that. And next is the app. Uh, for months, I've been talking about the Photo Locations app. Uh, I have put hundreds of hours into this. Um, I've been, you know, 
wireframing it and mocking it up, and I just want it to look great and function right. Uh, I have been shopping this out to some mobile app developers this week, <laughs> and I got a crazy range of prices. Uh, some said they could do it for four thousand, and some said it would take thirty-five thousand dollars to do the to do the app. And uh, it's just been wild. I've been working with Jeff Harmon trying to make sense of what these people are telling me, because uh, some of the prices just seemed very unreasonable, and some. Uh, Anyway, so I'm trying to pick our developer right now. My hopeful date for that, for the actual mobile app that you can download on your phone, is going to be January 1st for that. Next, I picked up the iPhone 7 Plus. Now, the big feature on this new iPhone uh, that was just announced is the camera, of course. It has two cameras on it. Um, and my basic, basic review of it, just in a couple seconds here, is... It's definitely the best camera we've had on, a, on an iPhone. Best camera we've ever had on a cell phone? No, probably not. Some of the Nokia ones were awesome. Um, but but I, I really have liked it. It is a significant improvement in the camera uh, from previous versions. And since you know, I record a lot of video for the YouTube channel and and, uh, and other things, even Improved Photography Plus videos, some of them are made on on the iPhone, or at least parts of them uh, are videoed on the iPhone. And so. Uh, so that's a big deal for me. So for me, it was worth it. But uh, not a huge upgrade the phone overall. But the camera is really, really nice. All right. In each episode, I like to leave you with a doodad of the week. And this week, I'm going to cheat a little bit. It's a rerun, but it's a rerun for a good reason. So a couple weeks ago, I mentioned the MyFine headlamp. Um, and I used it a lot in Glacier. And so I want to give you a more in-depth review of it. Um, this is only 11 bucks on Amazon. If you're looking for the link, just go to improvephotography.com slash doodads or just look for the show notes of this episode. But improvephotography.com slash doodads will have your link. And um, it's awesome. The reason that I like it is it has three AA batteries. So AA's are nice because that's what I have in all my other photography gear, flashes and stuff. I don't usually carry AAA's. And so when my headlight headlamp runs out on a shoot, I don't have extra batteries for it, and I don't want to carry extras. So I like that it takes double A's. It has the pack on the back and a wire going to the front, so it's uh, getting a lot of power from the, the three batteries. It's super bright, and it's also zoomable. So if you want to do different shapes and, and hitting different areas for light painting, it's really awesome for that and a good uh, uh, color temperature. So definitely recommend the MyFine headlamp. Uh, definitely the best headlamp I've, I've used as I'm out taking landscapes at night. And for the do random of the week is the Apple Watch 2. Uh, Jeff Harmon has has the Apple Watch, and uh, we've been talking about it a little bit. Um, I have always liked the idea of the Apple Watch, you know, to get my messages and texts and, uh, on my phone or on my wrist so that I don't have to carry my phone around and constantly take it out of my pocket and feel like I'm just, you know, lassoed to, to my phone all the time. So I really like just having things on my wrist, you know, as I'm driving, it'll just show me where I need to drive so I don't have to, like, wake up my phone and reach around uh, to see what the GPS is telling me. Uh, so it's been really nice to, like, kind of wean myself off my phone and ma it makes me feel more present because I can get things just right there without uh, constantly reaching to my phone. So uh, this week I'm recommending the Apple Watch too. It's pretty cool. 
Hey, thanks everybody for uh, uh, listening to this episode. I'm sorry it was just a solo episode with just me, but hopefully I was able to get some uh, interesting information out to you. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate all the support that you guys have given me um, with the the conference coming up and, and just reading articles on the website and liking the things that we do online. Uh, it means a lot to me uh, that, you know, improved photography has been life changing for me. And uh, I hope I'm always able to, to bring something great to you guys each week on the podcast. So thanks for listening and we'll see you in another seven days. Bye.